This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. And listeners, we have a worship question. So Michael... I know you love to. Uh, you, you are an ex worship guy, and you, you use ex worship guy. guy. I've yeah. stopped worshiping. Yeah, you don't worship anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll take that. Yeah, that's a compliment. Yeah, uh, and I appreciate worship music. So here's our question: What does this worship song actually mean? So we have to talk about this song that the listener is asking about. And there is a, a specific song here. The yes. song is "Open Up Our Eyes." It's by Elevation Worship, and. Particularly, let, let's just talk about two things. Number one, I want to talk about elevation worship, and then number two, I want to talk okay. about the song. So there, there are a number of we'll say musical centers of worship that are emerging out of churches. You have Bethel, you have Hillsong, you have Elevation. Those are actually three biggies that yes. are really influencing, we'll say, the pop Christian worship industry. And what's here's an interesting like thing for you. I'm not going to say this so much about Elevation. I will say it about Hillsong, and I will. They're all very different. So they have a different philosophy and a different approach to worship. So Hillsong is borderline, borderline as a church prosperity. Okay. Borderline. They haven't gone all the way. No. But they, man, I've never heard anybody teeter the edge like Brian Houston. Mm -hmm. But I, I will say this they preach a pure gospel. Yes, they do. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Mm hmm. Bethel is very charismatic. I mean, to degrees that would make most evangelicals uncomfortable. And you hear this come out in their music because I'm just going to say stereotypically, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad or bash anybody. I'm just going to say stereotypically, my experience overwhelmingly is that those who come from more charismatic backgrounds, their theology is much more emotional. They approach the text. There, there isn't a more of an emotional yes. drive. And there is, and, and all charismatics got to just own the reputation. There is a little bit less intellectual rigor uh, amongst much charismatic theology. It's very much experience. I'm not going to say driven, but influenced. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't yeah. want to, that's too too derogatory to say that, that it's, it's experience driven. Uh, maybe in the masses that's real, but I would say in the intellectuals and the charismatic world, uh, experience probably has a little bit too much weight than it maybe should compared to the text of scripture. And then you get to like elevation, which is doctrinally, we'll say sound in the majority of ways They come from a Southern Baptist. They are Southern Baptist yes. church. So they adhere to a clear gospel. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, they flirt with very interesting, we'll say techniques and associations. So for example, their pastor associates with T.D. Jakes, who has very strange views oh, yeah. Trinity and a number yep. of other things. And he, if not being prosperity, again, borders that edge very close with and connected to Joel Osteen, the places that become the worship centers by and large teeter on the edges of certain doctrines. But what's interesting is that the vast majority of them, for example, when you find prosperity churches, they are not singing prosperity songs. And so a wise pastor once said to me, prosperity churches never sing what they preach. Oh, okay. He said, you go to a prosperity church and they're almost always singing songs that are rooted in the gospel and they're clear. And it's one of the things that has frustrated so many people about Hillsong is because, again, when you hear Brian Houston preach, he teeters on the edge of prosperity. Again, I don't think he totally goes over it, okay. but he teeters yeah, on that edge. Um, we're still waiting for them to give 
really crystal clear statements on sexuality and marriage and all that kind of other stuff. Just kind of teetering. Mm-hmm. And yet their music, I want to be really clear, Hillsong's lyrics have been the deepest and the most beautiful over their last three albums than any other albums being put out. And I would agree generally with yep. what you're saying. Some right. of their new songs are like, Okay, I'm asking this question. What mm-hmm. is this song about? Correct. Because there is so much more poetry going on in their lyrics. I'm not saying they're perfect. No band is perfect, mm-hmm. right? But what I am saying is that I'm going to give it to Hillsong. They have they have gone to a lyrical depth that we have not seen mm. in Chris Tomlin. We okay. have not seen it in David Crowder. We have not seen it in the the Harvest Worship Band, who, again, these typically conservative evangelical mm-hmm. circles, right. you know, uh, they have gone to lyrical depths, almost hymn-like depths that the majority of other churches aren't going. I got to give it to them. And yeah. at the same time, part of that is they are bringing so much Old Testament imagery and they're using this imagery, which the reason I say all that is because so much of the richness of poetry and lyrics are taking these Old Testament images it, it and they're bringing them the Old Testament. into a New Testament context. So now I said all that. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just trying to help people understand that every album you pick up comes typically with a whole set of doctrinal baggage with it that you kind of got to be aware of. And so we get this song from Elevation Worship, which is Open Up Our Eyes. And you'll, you'll maybe know the bridge. Our God is fighting for us always. Our God is fighting for us all. And the person asks this question, what do you think that lyric is communicating? I think the rest of the lyrics in the song are great. They speak of God as greater, stronger, mighty, as love endures forever. But I'm not just sure about God always fighting for us. Always fighting implies a struggle. And I think if God was in a fight, he would win instantly every time, which is so logical. <laughs> That's like, right. Yeah. I'm like, I, I love yeah. this. I love this question. I love the person that's asking the question. Yeah. And so there's a couple things. It's taking Old Testament imagery. So when God asked his people to go to war, what he kept saying to them is, I'm going to fight for you. I've got this. Don't yes. be afraid. Be courageous. Yep. I'm your defender. I'm your protector. I'm going to go in front of you. And so what happened in the Old Testament is that God was constantly asking them to do big, fearful things in the most oft repeated command in scripture is do not be afraid. That's yeah, not a suggestion. Yep. It, is a command. it is a command. I am with you always. So Jesus gets to the great commission and he says, don't be afraid. I am with you always to the very end of the mm-hmm, age. And mm-hmm. the reason Jesus has to say that is because he's asking them to do the most impossibly difficult mission on the planet. Now, that's for sure. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, God wants his people to live by faith. And so what he does is he says, I'm going to ask you to do things that are hard and I'm going to ask you to trust me. And all of the odds are going to be against you. Yep. If the Cubs can win game seven of the World <laughs> Series and come back from a three to one deficit, doggone it, anything is possible. That's right. And so in the Old Testament, this imagery is we're going into battle. The New Testament, these same principles are applied. We don't go into physical battle in the way Israel did, but we have a mission and we go forth as an army and we bring forth the gospel and it's petrifying and it's scary and the world opposes us. Satan opposes us. The church is going to hit roadblocks. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be death. And the biggest articulation experience example of God fighting for us is he went to the cross, faced death, defeated it, overcame it, shut down, humiliated, shamed, and disarmed Satan. And he went to battle for us. And now as we go out into the world, we have God, the Holy Spirit in us. We have the angelic realm going before us. We have the church filled with the Spirit of Christ in us. And Jesus is continually going to battle against the forces of evil for the sake of his children. And even even when uh, God ordains 
a Christian to be martyred and they lose the physical battle, they win ultimately ultimately, at the end. And this statement is a way of of hearkening our minds back to all of the moments where God said, go do something big, hard, and difficult and irrational because I said so. And And I am with you. I'm with you. Yeah. I've never let you down. Yeah. I have never failed you. And the only times that you it has not worked out are when you took it into your own hands and mm-hmm. you did something stupid. Do it my way. And so when we sing this, we hearken back to all of God's faithfulness. Right. From, uh, we'll say Abraham leaving his land, going to an unknown land, all the way through uh, Israel and in and, and Egypt, uh, Israel and the Exodus, coming into the promised land, all the battles that God had to fight for them. And then the rest of the time in the promised land, you see what happens when they stop trusting in him. Right. They take things into their own hand and, and they God get in trouble. stops yep. fighting for them. Yep. And he warned them. I will fight for you if you do it my way. Mm -hmm. And so what we see in Christ is the ultimate battle has been fought and won for us. And now all of these little micro battles, uh, he is constantly going before us. And so we hearken back and we remember that. We look back to the cross and we say, he is always fighting for us. He is on our side. No matter what he asks us to do, he will go with us and he will prepare a way for us. Even if what he's asking us to do is to die. Yes. He will go in front of us and he will be... Ultimately it's interesting as you're talking, I'm thinking about Jesus takes that same imagery of, of fighting for us and us being on the offense in Matthew 16, 18. He's talking to Peter and he says, you know, I tell you that you're Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. But then he makes a great statement. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. Yep. That is an offensive statement. That yep. is not a defensive statement. And the church is pictured the as an church army. church is an army moving forward and nothing is going to be able to restrain the yep. church when it is working in God's power, in God's way. Yep. And then even in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. I will be with you to the very end of the age. He's telling them, he's giving us this promise that I am fighting for you. I am fighting with you. You need to be on the offensive, not on the defensive. Another thing I appreciate about this song, so often songs are sung to God. And I love the fact that we can talk to God. We are talking to God and we're saying, for your love endures forever. And so we're we're talking to him rather than about him. And so there is a difference in approach. We sing songs about God, and I would rather sing songs to God and say, God, you, you are this way. You are strong. You are mighty. You are fighting for us. And I love you for you and yep. who you are. There's a funny lyric in a song, be Thou My Vision. Obviously, most of us know that song, but there's been a, a re, redo on <laughs> yes. this one, right? Like all of them. So the chorus says, Be Jesus, my glory, my soul's satisfied. So there was no punctuation. And we would sing this, and I'd be sitting in church. And it was, Be Jesus, my glory, my soul satisfied. Drove me nuts. I'm like, how? Could, why does Jesus need to be Jesus? You yeah, are right. Jesus. Like, yeah. Be Jesus. Be Jesus, my glory. Like where you put the comma means everything. So yes. I went into our music and I changed on all of our documentation. I put the commas in and it totally is like, now be, it makes sense. Be comma Jesus. You're talking to Jesus. The comma yeah. emphasizes, you know, be, be Jesus, be my glory. Yes. Right? I want you to be the thing that most, like I want mm-hmm. to be represented by. I want you to be my glory. I don't want my own accomplishments to be my glory. I want the cross to be my glory. You, you're awesome. And then it should say, period. My soul is satisfied. Yes. But instead, what most people sing is, be Jesus, my glory, my soul satisfied. 
Like that makes no sense. Yeah, it doesn't and fit. And so it's funny it because make I found myself for a year singing this song and I just stopped singing that chorus mm-hmm. until I went in and I put in the commas in the period when they're supposed <laughs> to be because it just drove me nuts. But this is where I think worship leaders uh, need to go out of their way to be communicators because New Testament Christians sometimes don't understand the beauty of the Old Testament right. imagery. Yep. And sometimes we need to just take these lines and say, let me just show you what's going through the heart of the author here and what he wants to evoke in worshipers. Uh, so for me, that my vision, he wants you to talk to Jesus and say, my glory is not my accomplishments. It's not my awesomeness. My glory is in you. you. That's it. Yeah. My soul is satisfied in you. Right. That is a powerful song. That yeah. is a powerful yep. line. That is me, us, we to you. Giving, giving you glory. Anyways, worship. Love it. Talk. We, love it. I want to love it when it makes yeah. sense. Listeners, bring on your worship questions. It's actually one huge subject that barely anybody asks about. And there are so much fun things to talk about. That's not even grammatically correct, but you get the point. So <laughs> anyways, listeners come back next time when we answer the question in Matthew 17, 20 is moving a mountain to be taken literally or figuratively.